You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, in Gaza and, and all the things going on there. And, um, you know, that hits home. I think, you know, for me, I, I, I this is probably one news article and, and news report other than 9-11 that really drew me in and, and I've been paying attention to. Um, and it's easy to maybe disconnect from the things that are happening uh, all the way across the world and, and maybe other cities and, and shootings and stuff, and you could be sad for a moment, but then um, there is warfare right here in our homes, and there's warfare in our minds, and you know whether people know it or not, we're in a battle. And, um, you know, so I wanted to start off with a story, um, uh, uh, an iconic story that represents and, and people constantly go to in the Marine Corps as a remembrance of what it means to be immovable, to stand fast, to stick with what you believe and fight. And uh, I wanted to to let you just enter into this story for a moment to set the groundwork for the the rest of this message, which I titled Immovable. And it's in 1 Corinthians 15.58, if you want to turn there. So, in the frozen landscape of the Chosen Reservoir during the harsh Korean War winter, which lasted from November 27 to December 13, 1950, a group of United States Marines faced a relentless onslaught from the Chinese People's Volunteer Army. The situation seemed dire for them. The weather was unforgiving, and I've seen many pictures. It's, it's ridiculous what they had to endure, the amount of frostbite and just, just trying to get there and, and through the conditions was enough of a battle for them, not to mention the fire fights they were under. The enemy was numerous. They, they, they were constantly coming. The odds were overwhelmingly against them, but... These Marines, despite the intense pressure and the challenging circumstances, stood their ground with unwavering resolve. As temperatures plummeted and the enemy forces closed in, the Marines found themselves surrounded and outnumbered, which we, if we were to to think about our current circumstances sometimes, or in the midst of depression, or a work situation, or um, you name it, we are surrounded and outnumbered by all the enemies that we're facing. These Marines were completely surrounded and outnumbered, yet amid the chaos, these soldiers, huh, I'm not going to say that, I don't know, you even know why that's in there. These Marines uh, clung to their training. Man, it, it, I'm going to edit that one out. No, I'm not. I apologize uh, to all my fellow Marines out there. These Marines clung to their training, their discipline, and a deep sense of duty. They formed a defensive perimeter, determined not to yield an inch of ground. They were not going to give up a single inch. They were not allowed to move in. They fought for what they believed in. They fought for their position. In the face of the enemy's hurricane-like force, these Marines exhibited a level of courage and resilience that defied explanation. The brutal conditions and the relentless attacks did not break their spirit. Instead, they held fast, refusing to be moved or defeated. So how can we connect this to ourselves? Just as those Marines stood their ground in the face of overwhelming odds, 
we too face a constant spiritual battle. These pressures of, or the pressures of the world, the schemes of the enemy may seem insurmountable at times, but like those courageous Marines, we have a solid rock on which to stand. Jesus Christ. So let's learn from their example as we explore the Word of God together. This story helps us to draw parallels between the physical challenges faced by the Marines and the spiritual challenges that believers encounter on a daily basis. It emphasizes the importance of being immovable in our faith, not letting a single inch of ground be overtaken, anchored in Christ as we face the storms of life. Those Marines believed to their core what they were taught, and they believed they also believed in their mission and the battle of the chosen reservoir remains a symbol of the Marines determination and valor in the face of overwhelming odds. And our key verse for tonight is first Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. But I wanted to start reading in verse 55 where it says, and, and if you were to, to watch a movie trailer or have a narrator overdubbing something, and it started with, oh, death, where is thy sting? That would be an eye catcher. So this, this is an eye catcher for, so, for what's to come. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, this is the key verse, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We have a lot of work going on in this church. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man, can it be discouraging. When we start working in the church, there is a battle against us because Satan doesn't want us to move forward. He doesn't want us to grow. He doesn't want us to have successful ministries or even a successful sermon tonight or or anything that we plan on doing. He doesn't want us to successfully drive to church sometimes. And he, and he, he battles our minds and he, he works on us constantly and, and uses these clever ways to get in to cause us to fight amongst ourselves. But we have to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because our work is not in vain. We have a mission and a purpose and we have to remember that. That helps us to stay grounded. And I, and I chose, if you went back to the, the title slide there, I chose this tree in the midst of ruin thriving. Because I felt like it really symbolized the idea here that regardless of the odds and the barrenness around us sometimes, if we're rooted and grounded, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I have these points, if we're if our nourishment is coming from Christ and we're firmly grounded there, then nothing that happens around us is going to affect us. Amen. And we'll stand as a symbol. If you were walking across this and you saw that, that's a testimony. <laughs> so point number one, and I don't have the points on slides, it's firmly planted on the solid rock. As we dig into the Word of God today, let's reflect on the vital truth expressed in Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25. It says, therefore, 
Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his, pa- his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now that rock is Jesus Christ. We're founded there. That is one that Jesus would call a wise man. Letter A for point number one is a or is the foundation matters. The foundation where we plant ourselves matters. Our lives, much like houses, are subject to storms, unexpected trials, hardships, challenges that face us. The foundation which we build our lives upon determines our resilience in the face of these storms. If we were not planted firmly, if we were not rooted and planted on the rock, and we were trying to just weather the storm ourselves, we're getting blown away. <laughs> we would not. We would be swept away like the rest of the trees around us in the debris. We would just be flowing along, uh, being useless. Jesus, in this metaphor, is the solid rock, the unchanging and unwavering foundation upon which we have to build says in, 24, in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So let's consider for a moment the significance of a solid foundation. A house built on a solid foundation withstands the storms, the rains, and the winds. Similarly, a life built on the unshakable truth of Jesus Christ can endure the storms of life. I almost chose a picture of a lighthouse being beaten and yet still shining its light. It It was a hard choice there, but... I think that lighthouse could break. <laughs> so that's, that was my decision there. Letter B, the storms are inevitable. They're already here. I mean, I don't have to convince you of that one. No one is exempt from life's storms. Even Jesus in the wilderness had a storm about him. The rains will fall, the floods will come, the winds will blow. Trials are a part of human experience. It is not a matter of if, but when the storms will come. However, the key lies not in avoiding the storms, but in having a foundation that can withstand them. It's not about not going out. It's not about not surrendering yourself. It's not about taking the safe path or or finding a quiet stream to sit next to and, and plant yourself in or or seeking something in the world and, and just trying to stay out of the way and out of Satan's you know attack and, and maybe just compromising a little bit so things are a little bit easier. Instead of avoiding the storms, it's all about having a foundation that can withstand them when they come. Because it may seem peaceful at first, but it's coming still. So now's the time to plant. The second you get your roots in there, it's, it's like replanting a, a, a tree in a pot or, or a plant. If it's planted in the wrong soil, it is just going to wither. But you plant it on Jesus Christ, that tree is going to survive and thrive. 
So replanting now is probably a good idea. Jesus himself acknowledges this inevitability when he says in John 16, 33, he said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Letter C, the unchanging solid rock. We live in a world right now that is filled with so many uncertainties. I mean, I don't even know if I'm making it home tonight. I don't even know if I'm making it to the end of the sermon tonight. But Christ remains the solid rock. And a a foundation that does not shift or crumble. If an earthquake happened, he'd be the only thing standing in in left there. Everything else would shake and, and shift and and succumb to the pressures of that that earthquake, but he would be a continuous, solid foundation, and whatever house is built on it is going to still be there. I like the imagery, and I didn't put the verses in here, but in Daniel, when he talks about Jesus coming back, the rock that he is wiping out all of the world systems instantly, it doesn't matter how strong they are, how determined they are, he will be solid and will wipe them out. Will not break even slightly. The truths found in his word, his promises, and his unwavering love provide us with a stable ground which we can stand. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, he's unchanging. Man, is it good to have someone consistent to go to. I'm constantly interacting with my kids and realizing I forgot something or I didn't come through on something or I'm still not good enough or maybe I was angry, angrier than I wanted to be in that situation even though I determined not to be and, and I just want to be there for them constantly and then I want to do these things and it's just like I am not a constant that they can come to, they do, and I love them for that. But Jesus Christ is the example of being steadfast and consistent and someone we can root ourselves in and and be nourished by. We need to be intentional about the foundation we are laying our lives. We cannot rest in anything else. Let's build upon the solid rock, Jesus Christ, and his teachings, so that when the storms of life come, we can stand firm, unshaken, and unbroken. Let's anchor ourselves in the unchanging truth of the gospel, for in Christ we find our refuge and our strength. The good news is the good news for a reason. It brings life. The word brings life. He is life, and he is love, and he is strong, and he protects us and shelters us and gives us everything we need. Point number two is standing against the devil's pressure. Once we are firmly rooted and planted, what comes next? Satan wants to cut us down. He wants to tear us down. He wants to break us limb by limb, maybe poison the roots a little bit and, and try, to, try to take whatever you know, nourishment we're getting from all the, the different spots that, that we're in with, with Jesus Christ in, in, um, in our church and in our families, and he wants to infect whatever he can and, and break us however he can. 
He might even send in you know, you know, bugs that may not seem that significant. But then we start rotting in the core or, or whatever. As believers, we're not merely spectators in this world. We are active participants in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6.10-13 vividly describes this warfare. It urges us to be prepared, vigilant, and armed against the schemes of the enemy. So, I mean, you may not be able to see it on the screens, but if you have your Bible, or your phones even, get, uh, get this out. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I like how it says, you know, first it says, be strong, but in the Lord. Like, be strong, well, not. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, not yours. His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Do whatever it takes to put on all of the armor. I mean, imagine walking around with just the, the armor boot <laughs> and hoping to not get stabbed. I mean, it's crazy. We don't put it on all the time. We don't, we don't put on the whole armor. We might put on a few pieces we might pick up the shield occasionally and we might take the sword with us once in a while, the word. Letter A, recognizing the reality of spiritual warfare. It is easy for him to blind us, for Satan to blind us to the fact that there is a war going on. The Apostle Paul opens our eyes to the reality of spiritual warfare. We face adversaries not of flesh and blood, but spiritual forces at work in the unseen realms. I can't help but think about uh, you know, situations where we, we may have unpleasant interactions with someone and we think we're fighting with that person. When re- In reality, we're actually fighting not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual warfare and forces that are trying to break us apart. It's the unseen that we're fighting against. Acknowledging this reality is the first step towards understanding the necessity of putting on the full armor of God. Look at verse 12 there. He said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a structure. I mean, there's like, there, there are many ranks in Satan's army. I mean, it, it lists it all out there, but I don't have time to go through that all tonight, but it's there. Let her be the full armor of God. Paul doesn't leave us defenseless in this battle when he says to go and to fight. He provides a comprehensive guide, the full armor of God. Each piece serves as a unique, or it serves a unique purpose representing spiritual truths that fortify and protect us. Look at uh, verses 14 through 17. He said, stand therefore. Don't lie down. Don't sit there. Stand up having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate 
of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I've got six breakdowns here for you. Number one is the belt of truth. We stand firm in God's truth. Because this is the foundation that holds everything together. We need to put that belt on. Hold it all together. The breastplate of righteousness. We need to guard our hearts with righteousness, protecting it from the attacks of integrity. We need to protect our hearts. The shoes of the gospel of peace. We need to be ready to share the message of peace and salvation wherever we go. I like the, the idea of shoes means we're going to be going somewhere. That means we're spreading it. We're, we're doing something and spreading the gospel of peace everywhere we go. Now let's put the shield of faith on it. It deflects the fiery arrows of doubt and fear with unwavering faith in God's promises. Man, he's going to be throwing some darts at you, but that shield is there to protect you against that. The helmet of salvation. What do you think that means? We have to guard our mind. We guard our mind with the assurance of salvation, knowing that we are children of God. We are His. He has us. And that's not changing. We can't change it. I remember there, there was a time when I wrestled with that idea that Someone brought up that we could lose our salvation, and I'm like, where do you get that from? Like, I wanted to really understand why they believe that, and know in the Bible where it says it doesn't, you know, where, where it fights that idea. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. <laughs> nothing. Satan doesn't have any power to do it. And I certainly don't have any power to do it. Like, who am I to think I'm more powerful than God where I could separate myself from His love? He's going to love me no matter what. Which makes me want to do better for Him. It makes me want to come to Him and say, I'm sorry, you know. I, I'm, I'm constantly saying, Lord, I messed up. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I still need You. Lord, I still need You. Lord, help me with this. Lord, I'm tired today. Lord, I'm stressed today. Lord, Lord, I'm struggling today. Man, he's right there. Give me encouragement. And then finally, number six there, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Equip yourselves with the offensive weapon. We're not just defending ourselves, but we're on the offense with the Word of God to combat the enemy's lies. There's nothing more powerful against Satan than God's Word. That's how Jesus overcame Satan in the garden, or in the, in the wilderness there. He used the Word of God in its context 
against Satan's lies. And, and Satan couldn't do anything. Until eventually he had to flee. Letter C, standing firm in the face of, of adversity. The necessity of putting on the full armor of God becomes evident when we realize that it's not merely a suggestion, but a command for our protection and effectiveness in the spiritual battle that we're in. Ephesians 6.11 said, Put on the whole armor of God that you that may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then in verse 13, he said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor that ye may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. We need to be vigilant, recognizing the spiritual warfare around us. We have a we have to daily clothe ourselves with the full armor of God, standing firm against the evil scheme. Start our day off with him, putting it all on. And then double checking. Have you ever walked out of your house or a dorm and realized you didn't have your key to get back in or you you forgot something you needed and how like just mortifying that idea is well walking out into a spiritual battle without all your gear is ridiculous through prayer faith and a reliance on God's word we can confidently face the battle knowing that our victory is secured in Christ Romans 8:37 says nay in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I love, the, I love how it always starts off with the idea that it's, about, it's us, but no, 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 it's because of him. We are more than conquerors because of him that loved us. We can overcome because he already conquered the world. Like, I love that. That the way it's built like that. Third point for the night is rooted in the word and bearing fruit. In the 66 books, or the 1,189 chapters, or if you're reading verse by verse every day, 31,102 verses of God's word, there are many messages for us. All love. And for us, the one I love is a beautiful metaphor, and the one I chose to use it, that speaks directly to the depth of our connection with Him. It's the image of being rooted in the Word. I want to take a moment and explore this imagery, drawing the parallels to a fruitful tree, and understand the profound significance of staying rooted in God's truth for a life that yields abundant life. I mean, that's. Our theme this year has been abundant life, and, and that is a theme we're going to continue on with, or something very, very similar to that. Colossians 2, 6-7 through 7 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. So let's look at the rooted tree. Letter A, I want you to imagine a tree firmly planted by a stream, its roots reaching deep into the rich soil. In the same way, Colossians 2, 6-7, it urges us to be like that tree, rooted and built up in Christ, established in the faith of, as we have been taught. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, 
rooted and built up and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Letter B, drawing parallels to a fruitful life. Consider the life cycle of a tree. Its roots draw nourishment from the soil wherever it's planted, anchoring it against storms. The more firmly rooted you are, the more you can withstand the storms above. It enables growth. The more root systems develop, the more nourishment you're, you're gaining and producing fruit in due season. In a similar way, when we are rooted in the Word, we draw spiritual nourishment that anchors us in our faith. It promotes growth and it bears fruit of the Spirit. Psalm 1, 1-3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth, whatever, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Letter C, abundant fruit through God's truth. The Word of God, and, I'll, and, and I am closing here soon, the Word of God is the spiritual soil from which we draw our sustenance, our nourishment. Matthew 6.11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give me what I need today. Help me grow. Feed me. Give me strength. Give me a way to root in. Help me connect more with you. As we immerse ourselves in His truth, we meditate on His promises and apply His teachings, we become like trees that yield abundant fruit. Fruit of, the, fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. We could use a lot more of that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. John 15, 4-5 says, Abide in Me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing break a break a branch off a tree and see how long it survives eventually you're just going to throw it in the fire <laughs> it, it becomes good kindling it's vital for us to remain deeply rooted in the Word of God, to draw close to Him. As we draw from the spiritual soil of His truth, we become trees of righteousness, firmly planted, flourishing and yielding fruits that reflect His glory. Lord willing, our lives will be a testimony to the abundance that flows when we stay rooted in God's eternal and life-giving truth. I want to be... I want to be nourished so well that people notice it. I want to be so connected to God that people notice it. I don't have to... Like, it's just, it's so clear that, that I'm a healthy Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm walking with God. I want people to see it. Whether I even say a word, I want people to be like, something's different about Him. I can't say that yet, but that's what I want. Like, I want that to be... I just want to be a walking testimony. I want to be so close to Him that it just overflows and, and people can pluck some fruit and, and, and get some kind of nourishment from that and, and then 
hopefully plant in the same in the same spot, you know, on the on the solid rock. So, in in closing today, we explored the powerful analogy of being immovable in Christ, using the battle of the chosen reservoir. We looked at the full armor of of God from Ephesians, and we looked at the rooted tree metaphor. Despite the relentless pressure from the world, we learned that being anchored to the solid rock, Jesus Christ, is the key to a life of purpose and resilience. Just as the Marines stood firm amidst adversity, we are called to stand unshaken in our faith. The full armor of God equips us for spiritual warfare, and staying rooted in the Word ensures that a life bears uh, abundant fruit. As we face the storms that are coming at us, let's remain immovable. Let's anchor ourselves in our faith, empowered by the word, and, in, and assured of a purposeful and resilient journey in Christ. It's not going to be an easy journey. It's not going to be easy. But we don't have to be blown around either. We're going to be strong, rooted in Him. So, as we reflect on the unyielding strength we find in Christ, we also need to turn our hearts to a profound truth, a truth that goes beyond resilience and trials and speaks directly to our, ter- our eternal standing. I invite you, because we don't know if we're, we're going to make it home tonight, or out of this building, for that matter, I want you to consider the solid rock not just as a refuge in storm, which he is, but as the foundation of our eternal salvation. Jesus declares in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This exclusive claim compels us to consider the significance of accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. In Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other way. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only Jesus Christ. We also need to think about a surrendered life. If you are saved, we need to surrender ourselves to Him. Being immovable in Christ involves not only finding refuge in Him, but also surrendering our lives to His Lordship. I want to be planted, even if He's moving, I want to be firmly planted on Him. I want to go where He's going. Romans 10.9 encourages us by saying that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Shalt is a legal term, it is an absolute. It is the only way. And it will happen. It is not, you might, it is not, could, it, it's not a, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of other words to be there, but shout, in legal terms, means there's no alternative. It has to happen. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and, sh- and shalt believe in thy heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It will happen. You believe it right now, it's happened. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
The only way we're going to live and, and thrive is because He lives in us and He died for us and He's, He's there for us. So today I urge you to take action in response to the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Open your heart to Him. Confess your need for a Savior and surrender your life to His Lordship. Romans 12.1 encourages us. He says, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door. Jesus is right there knocking. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear me, if you hear his voice right now and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. The solid rock, Jesus Christ, is not just a refuge in life storms. He is the path to eternal salvation. Today, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior and surrendered your life to Him, I invite you to do so right now. Maybe Sonia wants to come and play something. The altar is open. There is no one in here who is going to look at you sideways for coming up here and, and giving yourself to Him. All you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and open that door for Him. So let's us, let us as a congregation anchor not only in life's challenges, uh, but also in the everlasting promise of salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is the only way that we're going to make it. <laughs> He's the only way we're going to make it through all the storms and the trials. And if you haven't accepted Him yet, you can't tap into that. The only way to get rooted into Him is, is to accept Him as Lord and Savior. So please, before it's everlasting too late, take care of it now.